The Quocast, a status quo fan podcast. I'm joined by Ray all the way from LA over there. Well, you're Zooming me from LA. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Cork City in Ireland. Excellent. And how did you get into status quo? Well, I got into status quo in primary school when I was nine or ten, I think. Someone's older brother. I think it might have been as simple as like someone writing it in their copybook, and I thought it was a really cool name. And then somehow someone had a tape or whatever, and we started listening to them and thought it was really cool. So nine or ten years of age in primary school. I can't exactly, but I think it was through somebody's older brother, you know? And do you remember what album that was or anything like that? Well, I don't know what album it was, but for Christmas, my parents got me 12 gold bars, which, you know, I think is a great first album to get. And it's, I have it here. I have my album. It's a fantastic album cover. I love that album cover with the gold. <laughs> I think it's genius. 12 gold bars, 12 songs. But, you know, that, that's a great first album to get, I, I feel, you know. And I just loved it. And I start, I think my first favorite song was like Roll Over, Lay Down. And, you know, it was just, it was amazing. And it was my first real band that I followed, obviously, you know, at that age. And I think even then, most kids at nine or ten hadn't, hadn't really had a band picked, you know. I think uh, I was a status quo fan. Me and my best friend were fans then. And... Uh, my cousin who lived 10 doors from me, who was a few years older than me, I think he became a fan then as well. And, you know, there was a little group of us, you know, were status quo fans then. It was awesome. So there was a, a little group of you doing that. Did, did you go to many gigs in those days? Well, eventually, you know. Well, I actually have a good story about that. So I'm, uh, you know, I've got my denim jacket, my status quo patch on there, my status quo badges. And like, you must remember, I'm 48 now. So this is like, you know, the early 80s or whatever. You wouldn't have as much money as a kid, you know, like you'd go into town and like try to get money for a badge or a patch or, you know. So I got my denim jacket off my parents, obviously. I got a couple of patches. This I had a few posters up in my wall. You'd have big, massive posters on your wall that time. I remember I had the band that, like standing at a scaffolding and they were like gods to me. I was listening to their records. I probably got another album at this stage. So anyway, 1984 came into the road tour. I was 12. And they were playing at a city hall in Cork on the Friday night and the Sunday night. Now, I would have considered myself the biggest quote fan in the world at this stage. <laughs> but uh, so... All my parents do. I love them. Everybody did. And I begged my mother to go. And she said, you can't go. You're 12, which is understandable. It was in the city center, 12 years of age. And I was there, mom, please, you got to leave me go. It's the last tour. They'll never be around again. It's the end of the road tour. And she said, I could see she wanted to leave me go. She said, Ray, I can't. But I knew she wanted to leave me go. So there was a show on TV on a Saturday morning in Ireland called Anything Goes. You know, when you were a kid, there was these long shows on a Saturday morning. So we're out running, and my parents went down grocery shopping, and uh, a competition came on the show. The first four people to call in who can name Status Quo's last three hits will win two tickets to their concert, 
and an album signed by all the band. So I remember I got on the phone. I said, Margarita Tyne, Old Rag Blues, Messing the Blues. And I won. I won the tickets on the album. And uh, the kids ran in this and my name was flashing on the screen. And uh, oh, my God, my parents came home from shopping and I was like, I won status quo tickets. And they're like, what? I goes, I, I phoned when you were gone. And uh, I was allowed to go. They said, you can go if you bring your older cousin. So uh, my cousin and uh, his friends and my best friend went in there. I have a photo of me holding my ticket. I'm 12 with my denim and my uh, grandfather shirt like Rossi. And I was searched going in there. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was definitely the smallest in there. So everybody was putting me up on their shoulders. And it was just absolutely amazing experience. I mean, to see Lancaster. Now, I don't know. It was Pete Kircher then was the drummer, I feel. Mm -hmm. But they were just, I'll never forget it, obviously. It was just unbelievable. You know, fantastic. I mean, what a story uh, to even just going up to your first concert to win it in a competition like that. And it's it's funny how you've probably invented the, the, the thing that they always say, please check the bill payer before calling um, such a competition like that. But it sounds like, like you said, your parents were really happy that you got to go. And of course, uh, at the time, I assume you thought, I'm at the concert. This is never going to happen again. Uh, this is the last time, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought it was all over. I mean, I was thinking like, oh, my God, like, I had just seen the greatest rock band in the world. I mean, the City Hall in Cork is just such a good venue as well, you know. But it, it was, yeah, I was like, this is it now. And I was like, well, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen then, I guess. Um, but then I believe they were back the next year in Live Aid in 1985, I think. And I remember being at home watching that. And there was, you know, there was a confusion then as a fan, obviously. You know, I mean, by the way, I never got the album signed by all the bands from the competition. <laughs> and my dad used to be calling up saying, hey, my son won the album. We never got it. But they eventually sent me a voucher. And I went into town to Golden Discs. I don't know if you guys had Golden Discs in England, but Golden Discs was a big thing here. But I went into Golden Discs and I went to, I bought the live album in the Glasgow Apollo. And even though I didn't get the album signed by the band, that, that was just amazing. But yeah, there was a lot of confusion as to what I would do next. But then they came back in 1986. And... What was your kind of reaction to that? Because you'd seen them in '84, you didn't get the 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 signed album. That's that's a disappointment, isn't it? Yeah, I remember my dad used to say, you know, that someone in the TV studios probably took the signed album. I don't know if the album was ever signed, whatever. But yeah, I never got the album. Now, like, I remember the Wanderer song coming out, you know, mm -hmm. and you know. Alan Lancaster was still with them then And I thought the video was cool They were going around London I believe in the back of a truck And people were pointing at them And But I was a little bit confused Like what's going on with this song The Wanderer And then Margarita Time Then Old Rag Blues I like that song Then Messing the Blues And then You know I enjoyed Live Aid But when they came back in 1986 With Rhino 
no, I've heard Rhino on your show and I've, you know, I've actually seen Rhino since and it was nothing personal to Rhino. But you must remember when you're 14, back then, back then, there was like mods, rockers, guys into ska, there was punk rockers, you know, like people were into different things, you know. I think when the house music came, it changed all that stuff. But anyway, there was guys in town who were Cure Heads, Depeche Mode fans, you know, rockers, whatever. And when Rhino came first, he, like you had Adam Lancaster, legs spread, black sleeveless T-shirt, long hair, singing backwater. Like he was kind of the tough guy of the band almost, you know. And then when Rhino came along, he was twirling around and... He had the bass cut off and he, the hair, like he looked like something from a Duran Duran band. And I was like horrified, like me. And I remember my friend as well, Sean, saying like, what is going on here? And we saw them in 1986 in the Neptune Stadium in Cork. Um, Rhino was on and the new drummer, it looked like he had his hair permed or something. And it was, it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. But having said that, I believe that was 1986 because I checked on the internet. In 1987, uh, there was a big concert that used to be on in Cork in the football stadium. Now, Michael Jackson was there, Oasis, everyone over the years. It was a big thing. But there was a, um, a festival called Simsa Koshli, which is Gaelic for a party by the, the Lee, which is our river. Friends with me who didn't even like Quogon, like, these are brilliant. And they rocked the place. Yeah, so they rocked that place in Seamsa Costly. There would have been 60,000, 70,000 at that venue. I was so proud of them. They were, I remember my friends, as I said, turning around and said, these, these are really good. And I was, I was really proud of them, you know. That was in 1987. So you managed to get over, you know, those first sort of preconceptions about Rhino, because you are right. It, it must have been quite a shock that there's this guy kind of with his own style, his own moves, and very much he'd been in Dex's Midnight Runners and a few other things, which is a world removed from Quo. But as you say, you've obviously seen him um, beyond that, and uh, you've changed your opinion. But as you said to me before here, you were 14 years old when Rhino first came on the scene, so of course you were going to be a little bit, you know, trepidatious about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You know, you could say it doesn't matter, but it does matter when you're a teenager and you're following a band and, you know, you're proud of your band and you're seeing them. You've got your posters, your patches, your badges, all that, you know, back in the day. It does matter how cool your band are, you know, and Rhino was from a, a different thing. He, Rhino was like more like something from Duran Duran or, you know, I know he was in Dexy's Midnight Runners. Image wise, I just thought it was, uh, you know, uh, I thought that if they bought someone else to replace Lancaster, who was more of a rocker looking dude, um, you know, a lot of fans might have stuck around more. So anyway, having said that, to move on, you know, then, you know, I was getting a little bit older. Quo were a bit all over the place then, I guess, you know, like they, they weren't solid then for me, you know. Well, you know, then there was some of my friends into scam music and I guess I drifted to scam music. And then the house music came around 1989. And to be honest, it didn't really matter what anybody was into then, that kind of took over. There was nobody around the city as a rocker or a punk 
or a cure head or whatever. Everyone kind of merged into the house scene for a while. That really took over. So um, I'd say I didn't listen to Quo for years. Um, but then I moved to America and lo and behold, years later, I'm in America and I hear status quo are playing in the House of Blues in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is 2002. Wow, this is like years later. And I go down there with a couple of my Irish friends. And, you know, one thing about America is they start the concerts on time, which was shocking to me because they never start the concerts on time at all. So when I walked in, they were already playing. My God, it was a fantastic concert. It was, Jamie, you probably noticed what, uh, what was it in 2002? Uh, they were promoting an album. That was... Um, that would be the Heavy Traffic album. Yes. The, red, the black and yellow. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. So I walk in and the first thing I see is this guy with like a, a plastic guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Dressed up like Francis Rossi, like a super fan. I assume he was from England. And it was outstanding. It was an absolutely fantastic gig. And I couldn't get over it because it was full of Mexicans. There was there was loads of Mexicans in the gig. And I remember walking over to this Mexican kid and he had a Quo album t-shirt on, you know, like that cool Quo album. Mm-hmm. And I went over to him and I said, I was like completely flabbergasted. And I said, where did you get that T-shirt? Where where did you get that T-shirt? He said, oh, there's a store near here selling them. And I hadn't realized that Quo were huge in Mexico at the time. And it was all these young Mexican guys in there. And I also remember meeting this English guy in there that I kind of knew from around. And he was with this... Um, this lady, she was older than me at the time, and she actually worked in a different concert venue, okay? I knew a lot of people because I've worked in bars here, you know? Mm-hmm. And she, I remember she came up to me during the gig and she goes, oh my God, who are these guys? They're, they're so good, you know? And, you know, when Quo played, the whole place was just bouncing up and down. I mean, it, it was just unbelievable. They were, they were just fantastic, you know? And Rhino was there then. I didn't care. They were... And I actually saw an interview one time with Francis Rossi. I came across it somehow. He said that that was a fantastic gig. And I remember he wrote, sometimes you'd wish that all the gigs could be as good as that. So even Rossi thought that was a fantastic night, you know? Which is great because they're not as popular in the States as they are here. In fact, they're relative unknowns in comparison. Um, I mean, how... From your point of view, having come from a place where they are extremely popular and then going somewhere like that and finding out, obviously, about their popularity in Mexico, like, how, what was the atmosphere like? Oh, the atmosphere at the concert was amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a big percentage of the crowd were Mexicans, young Mexicans, which was really cool. I mean, it was awesome to see these guys who were in their 20s with status quo t-shirts on. But like, as you can imagine, I was blown away by this. I was like, what the hell is going on here? But there was Irish guys there, English guys. The only Americans that really know quo, I feel, are guys who are really into music. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, by the way, I need to throw this in, Jamie, because... When I, I forgot to say this at the start. When I was a younger fan, 
when I was in primary school and stuff in Ireland, you know, we make our confirmation. So -hmm. you pick a new name for your confirmation. Mm -hmm. So my, my name was Raymond Timothy Hartnett and you pick, uh, (laughs) you pick a new name for your confirmation. And I figured out, I got to call it after what a quo, you know, and I found out there was a St. Francis. <laughs> I call, I know Raymond Timothy Francis happened because of Francis Rossi. <laughs> but anyway, I needed to tell you that. Yeah, that, that concert was um, unbelievable. And uh, I met a Mexican guy later, or a Mexican guy over here later, who, um, who saw them somewhere. But I believe that Quo have only been to America twice. Is that right? I want to say that they toured a little bit in the mid seventies, and I think they just gave up um, trying because it just wasn't happening. And yeah, I, I was aware that in the early two thousands they came over. So yeah, may, maybe twice there might have been little incidental times in between there, but I don't think they were booked too much. I mean, why why do you think that is? Why do you think they haven't really been taken on in America as they have in our part of the world? I think that um, as far as I knew, I don't think they really tried too much. I don't think they really gave America a go like the likes of Tin Lizzy. Tin Lizzy would be pretty well known over here. As far as I kind of, did they really try to give America a go? Like, did they go? I mean, you two are massive in America, but they went balls out for America for a long time. I mean, did you know, I don't know if Quo really gave America a shot. I think that they did have a hat, um, a hitter with Maastricht men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember a few years ago, um, do you guys have that store Target in England, in the UK? No. Okay, well, Target's like a massive store here. It's every, they're all over America. But um, their song was like on the advert for Target on the TV. I remember that, you know. Um, but as I said, the only guys I've come across here who know core guys really into music, guys who have like hundreds of albums and they're like study music almost, you know. So, yeah. So then I saw them in 2002. Then, unfortunately, I have another story for you. I, you know, it was my dream for the Frantic Four to get back together, obviously, you know. Yeah. And I had an opportunity here to buy a bar. In 2014, I had been looking out for when I, I walked in bars here for years and I heard the Frantic Four was playing, bought the two tickets for the gig in Dublin. OK, so I was going to go with my brother or whoever. I was going to fly home, stay there, visit Cork, go to the gig, come back. And I had an opportunity to buy the bar and I had to borrow money from everyone and I couldn't go to the gig. Like I couldn't pull it off And My father had lent me Like every penny he had And I said like maybe I'll sneak over And go to the gig and not visit dad Because my dad Would not have understood How I borrowed all that money for the bar And then flew home to see Quo in 2014 So I didn't go And my dad is dead now But like I always kind of think It was kind of out of respect to him Is only thing that appeases that decision because it it would have really upset my dad I feel if I flew home to see Quo from Los Angeles after borrowing all that money from him you know and uh, you know the bar was a success I paid him back but um, 
Yeah, so unfortunately, when I look at that down down video from Dublin, you know, I've, you've seen that, Jamie. I assume. Yeah. It's just the atmosphere. Like I still think, oh my god, why didn't I go? You know. I mean, I was going to ask you, do you feel a sense of regret? But it sounds like, you know, you did it with a good reason in mind. Yeah, like I opened my bar on the 26th of February. They were playing in Dublin in April, I believe. I mean, I had just opened a bar, taken on six staff, borrowed money from everybody because the guy wanted cash for the bar. It was just, it would have been a very selfish thing for me to leave, fly home. You know, it would have been a stupid thing for me to do, really, with a brand new bar as well. Leave my staff, leave everyone, spend all that money when I was in debt. You know, I do have a sense of regret, but as you said, I've done it for the right reasons. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think um, the listeners will think so as well. I mean, are, are you still running that bar? Because obviously, uh, you know, what with COVID and everything, you've probably come under some um, some issues. Oh, absolutely. I mean... We've had a tough over here, but I don't think they're being as strict as with you guys and with Ireland. Um, we have outside patio now, so that's keeping me going, you know. So, yeah, we'll be okay. It looks like we're going to get 25% inside very soon. And, you know, there's been a few grants here and there, so I'm surviving, you know. It's, you know, I've paid off the bar a couple of years ago and, uh, you know, we're, we're surviving, you know. Well, that's that's good. I mean, I assume, is it the kind of bar where you have live music? No, I managed a different bar where we had live music. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I don't have live music in my place. I just opened a small little Irish bar, which is exactly what I wanted. You know, low overheads, six staff total. You know, no, no live music right there. I have a couple of guys that kind of do busking outside our ice. Uh, one English guy, actually, he's a massive Thin Lizzy fan. <laughs> And uh, they play outside a little bit, but no, no live music as such. Well, I was going to ask you, see, I mean, do you not uh, do you not put some quo on the jukebox or whatever at any time? Well, here's an, something interesting for you. I didn't have quo on my playlist, so I was in there a few weeks ago, and I put on Roadhouse Blues live by Quo, and one of the girls working for me. She's like 27. She goes, oh, my God, that's my favorite song. And I goes, this is my favorite band. This is like status quo. And she listened to it. She goes, that's fantastic. And then I like walked through the bar out by the door. And there's this Irish kid who's like 27. He goes, hey, Roadhouse Blues is my favorite song. Like, what first? What's this? And I goes, dude, this is status quo. You go home and listen to status quo. Like, I think 4,500 times live is the best rock song ever. 4,500 times live in the Glasgow Polo for me is the best rock song ever. So I told him, go home and listen to 4,500 times and Roadhouse Blues. The girl working for me is listening to Roadhouse Blues. And then I told him I was going on the Quo cast and one of my other staff listened to Quo all the way on her ride home. She said uh, her favourite song is Down Down. I'm starting a little thing here. My girlfriend who is younger than me. I'm 48. She's 33. She's got like two status quo t-shirts and she likes quo. So I'm getting a little quo thing going here a little bit. (laughs) But I'll tell you something that, that amazed me is about a year ago, I had some people visit from Ireland and uh, they wanted to really go to this vinyl shop, a record shop in Hollywood called, it's called 
Amoeba, A-M-O-E-B-A, I can't pronounce, Amoeba Records, right? So it's actually on uh, the very top of Sunset Boulevard. It is absolutely massive. It's it's unbelievable. You walk in, there's like seven, eight tellers on your left. There's kind of a security thing. So they're in there looking for records, and I go over, and lo and behold, I start finding status quo stuff. And uh, I actually picked up... Um, the live album, again, it's got a different cover um, than the usual one I had. I believe it's um, it's recorded in Canada or something. Right, but, yes. I've not seen that before. That's that's absolutely... You've just shown me something that's new to me. Yeah, so there's the one I always had, right? Yes. Before live. And here's the other one. Yes, I have not seen that before. Um, yeah. You say that's, that's a different recording. Is that a Canadian... Yeah, I put it up on... Um, on one of the f- pages, you know, mm-hmm. in Facebook, and I think they said, yeah, it's, it's a Canadian recording or something. Right. So said okay. the quality may not be as good, whatever. I got to, you know, I haven't listened to it side by side, really. But what amazed me was I went up to the guy, you know, when I was buying it, and I said, hey, Ed, you know, this is like a year ago in Hollywood. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, you know, I see you've got st- some status quo down there. And he goes... Yeah, what what are you looking for? I goes, no, I just got this. But like, do you get many customers buying status quo? And he goes, oh yeah, we have a lot of orders here. I'm like, what? And he, he has people going in ordering status quo. I couldn't believe it. And he said, we even have more CDs. I must actually go up there again, but it, it just, that was a nice thing to hear that there's people over in Hollywood going in ordering status quo music, isn't it? That is a very nice surprise, isn't it? Because you really don't expect Aww. that just that part of the world to be interested. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so then the only other real thing I have to tell you, I suppose, uh, is I took up the guitar during quarantine and I got a beautiful, uh, a beautiful Telecaster mm-hmm. and I went for guitar lessons. And the first song I wanted to learn was Living on an Island, you know. And I gave it a good shot. Uh, I could play it pretty much. So then I, you know, what, probably my second favorite song by Cause Don't Waste My Time, which I just think is an amazing song. And the, the solos is just unbelievable. Um, and I was playing it. And my guitar teacher, who's a real good guy, like good, good teacher, he said, these songs are much harder. I was surprised to hear from more than one person how actually hard it is to play Cause songs. There's chords, you need the four fingers and the baby finger, you can barely get to it. Like, I think you play guitar, Jimmy. So, you know, it, you know, he was said, wow, these songs are actually not very easy for a beginner, a lot of them, you know? I, I was kind of, I was pleasantly surprised at that, you know, because you hear all this stuff about they only play four chords and this and that. But when you speak to people in the know, they're like, wow, these, this stuff is really hard to play, you know? It is, and it's it's mainly because on paper, the number of chords is you know is relatively small. However, the way in which they play things, and you're right, I am somewhat of a guitar player, but you're possibly better than me um, by now. Um, but <laughs> but I uh, yeah, I know that it's about the feeling, and that's the thing about Quo is that there's a lot of feeling in those very few chords they managed to get something out of it yeah absolutely because there's something that keeps bringing me back to quo and i think it's that kind of 
the feeling. It's it's they're the rock band, but they've got that dun, 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 the kind of melody behind it all the time. That rhythm engine that keeps you going. It's just kind of gets me bopping more <laughs> more than the other stuff. You know, it's like. I don't know, man. I guess after all these years and going through the house music stuff and all that, it's amazing to just get really excited about Quo, you know? And the Quo cast is, I think, like, social media, seeing the fan page, because I think as a Quo fan before, you could feel alone. You know, you could be the only Quo fan around. But now with the Facebook pages and your Quo cast is fantastic, you start realising, wow, you know, like there's... <laughs> it's getting me back into Quo. I'm listening to the records again. Um, I got to get my vinyl collection sorted. I need like a way to play it Bluetooth. But every time I go in the shower and I've got Quo on, yeah, it's great, man. I'm like a revived fan, you know. I'm, I'm going to add a few tunes to the playlist at work. You know, my girlfriend likes them. A couple of girls in work are listening to them. Yeah, it's great, you know. It's, it's uh, fantastic. It's amazing to hear that you were out for like, you know 10 15 years you weren't really paying attention you went off into other directions musically and then just one day you happened to walk into a gig and it's sort of reignited i mean uh, last last thing here uh, what what do you make of the more recent material that they've released sort of since you've become somewhat a fan again to be honest with you jamie i haven't listened to it because I am really strictly a pre-84 fan. And the thing about that is we might talk again someday and I have listened to it, but I have so much stuff to listen to still and get more into pre-84. Like I drove to Vegas recently, Spinning Wheel Blues. I had never listened to that song much. What a brilliant song, especially on the way to Vegas. But you know, when I find that old footage, um, there's one on YouTube, Spinning Wheel Blues and Gotta Go Home. And they've got the heads down and Rossi's just gone into this crazy guitar solo. Um, do you know what amazed me as well, by the way? As much as a super fan that I thought I was, when I saw them that time in 2002 in Anaheim, I already noticed that Rossi was the lead guitarist. I always assumed when I was young because there was so much about Parfit and he had the guitar necklace and stuff. And, you know, you wouldn't, there was no YouTube then. So you wouldn't be watching someone actually so I don't know how I missed it, you know, if I read the back of the albums properly. But I was like, wow, Rossi's the lead guitarist, not Parfit, you know? And then, <laughs> you know, I just think that Rossi is a fantastic lead guitarist and, and Parfit's a great rhythm guitar. So, as I said, I've just got so much to go back into, you know, and get back into older stuff. I only recently bought uh, Matt Kelly's Greasy Spoon. Maybe I'll go into that, but I've got so much work to do catching up to even 84 first. I mean, yeah, you have so many albums, so much material. And I know that it's often said in the media that when they um, basically opened Live Aid in 1985, they'd already been around forever and you kind of feel that if the public felt like that then it's because there was a lot of material so yeah and mark kelly's is a very good album and uh spinning wheel blues is so simple it's just a simple blues song yeah um but there's just something about it and i've seen uh, i i know the clip that you're referring to 
uh, some of the comments on that video have been things like, oh, the drummer looks bored. And it's like, no, it's the concentration to be able to keep that going, that same rhythm. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it, it, was, it was amazing because I remember thinking, how does he keep going with those drums? Because it was just so long. And yeah, as you said, like I, I have so much material. You must remember, to, you must like, it's nostalgic for me. You know, there's a lot of nostalgia with me being young, the posters on the wall. I have my first status quo poster. I bought it home from Ireland last year. I'm going to put it up on my wall in my bedroom. Um, there's a lot of nostalgia for me with all that stuff. I have so much stuff to go back to. I spoke to a friend of mine, Sean. Um, lately, we've been talking about maybe going to the Quo Convention in Butlins. And he got on to me a few days ago. Damn you, Hartnett. I've been listening to Status Quo for eight hours. He's a bus driver in Cork City in Ireland. And he said he's got his headphones on. He's just listening to Quo all the time. He's obsessed with that song, Is There a Better Way Right Now? And uh, we're talking about going to the, the, the Quo convention. I'm wondering at this stage, would I get more out of a kick of seeing, now Quo's recent lineup, Richie Malone, I'm going to be biased. He's, he's from Dublin, you know. He looks the part. I don't know, would I get more of a kick of seeing status quo now or actually the quo convention? I mean, it's, it's a tricky one because, like you say, you have kind of two loyalties there. You've got the Dublin loyalty and the quo loyalty. Um, because, of course, at the quo convention, you'll meet lots of fans like yourself. Um, and they have lots of, I mean, I've never been but they have tribute bands and related people. You know, they have um, signings, uh, interviews. You know, it's all very interesting yeah. and uh, some, something I hope to go to one of these days. Uh, but a Quo concert, I don't know. I mean, maybe I know uh, when I've been to, to Quo concerts, normally there's like some fan thing going on around the corner. So maybe Quo will be playing around the corner and you'll be able to do both. That would be amazing because when I'm flying from Los Angeles, I don't have the, <laughs> you know, it's a long flight and it'll be. But, you know, the cool thing about the core convention was is that you would be able to stay in Bullens for a few days and act like a kid too, you know, and uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I don't think they'll come to America again, but who knows, you know. I wouldn't like to say, because I'm, I'm not part of their scheduling, I don't know what they've got planned, especially after COVID, because it might be that they won't tour again. But, you know, we, we just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, the Quote Convention, I only found out about it recently. I think it's on next year, the year after. But And the cool thing about that is, like, I was watching some of the clips on YouTube, and you'll hear a song and say, like, I don't know this song, like, these cover bands are playing, they're going in deep, like with some songs mm -hmm. that Quo never played. Do you know, I saw that song there, um, High Flyer. You know, there's one of the bands doing High Flyer. What a fantastic song that is. Oh my God. That, and that band do a, I think it's dated Quo do High Flyer, right? Mm -hmm. It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, so those tribute bands, some of them stick to pretty much the modern Quo set. Others go way out. I mean, I saw uh, a video from one of the conventions from a few years ago 
Alan Crook's band, who's a he's a massive fan of Quo. He was on the podcast, and I saw him performing Better Times from 1991. It's like, wow, that's really deep. Wow. It's a B side. It's not even on an album. So yeah, I think it's it's really um, well. It is on the deluxe edition now, but uh, yeah, they go really deep there because they're aiming at really hardcore yeah. fans. And I should say at this point that this podcast is not affiliated or associated with um, the fan club in any way. So this is not biased. This is just what I see from a distance. Uh, it's, you know, th that looks like an incredible weekend where people can get together and hopefully post-COVID um, it will um it will be a reality absolutely and there's like the cool thing about that too is you know when you see when i see bands playing those songs it's like you almost go i got i gotta brush up on my quo before i go like it gives you a <laughs> it gives you a reason to like you know like oh, i can't go you got you gotta brush up like you know you gotta go back and what song is what song are they playing i didn't i don't even know this song and then you're like because, you see, it's giving some life to those songs then. It's not just a B-side. It's not some forgotten song on an album. You're hearing a band playing it live and thinking, well, they like it enough to play it live. And so, yeah. you know, it's cool. Like, High Flyer. I mean, did I ever think I would hear that song ever played live in my life? You know? Like, I've never seen Quo playing. It's a fantastic song, you know? So that's, uh, yeah, I mean... I think I, I, I will definitely get over there. I'm going to get over there, with meet up with my friend from Ireland and, and go to Hopefully, I mean, I know that John Collin and Lancaster showed up there the last time, I guess, but that was at the tail end of the Frantic Four gigs, I assume. I wonder, will any of Quo show up there? I don't know, but it might be a possibility. I know that some have expressed an interest in going, and if not, they have supported the, the convention in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's exciting. I hope that you do eventually once everything is, is cleared up and I hope you get to come over here and, and see something Quo-related. Because like you say, you have like your little victories. You get to go into a record shop and buy a Quo record and you get to kind of convert people. But in order to experience like the full fan thing, you kind of got to come over to the UK or maybe even parts of Europe um, to to do that. Um, I mean that's that is uh, that's a very exciting prospect, and I hope it's something that you get to do eventually. I mean, you're currently making your way through some of the older stuff. I assume. What's the next thing on your list? Um, the next thing now on my list is I have about eight vinyl albums here, right? But I right. need to like. I think I'm going to buy that box set of vinyl albums. You know because a couple of these are scratched since I was a kid or whatever. It's cool that I still have the one since I was 10, nine or 10 years of age. But um, I will just buy some more old vinyl. That's what I'm going to do. Get some more old vinyl. Um, maybe, is it possible to get, uh, the only concerts you can get now, I assume, really are on DVD, right? There are some CD albums. I think uh, Acoustic got put onto CD, but that's kind of a different kind of thing because it's, it's the Acoustic albums. Um, there are a couple of live albums from back in the day. You've obviously got Live at the Apollo, as you mentioned earlier, um, Live 82. There's also Live Alive Quo from 92. 
Um, there's there's quite a few um, around. Yeah. And but most of them, yeah, I think are on DVD, and they sometimes come with a CD. I know that uh, Frantic Four Live at Dublin um, came with a, a CD. And DVD also, right? Can you get it on DVD? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, my next thing is just, you know, collect more old co-albums, uh, maybe keep trying to play them on the guitar, which I haven't picked up for a while, and uh, hopefully keep getting a few people around here to listen to a little bit of status quo and, uh, you know, start doing some groundwork for the co-convention. So, yeah, man, it's pretty exciting right now, and... Your quotecast is amazing. Like that's I listen to it now all the time when I'm driving, and it's you know it's it's great to hear you know someone from near back home and the interviews and stuff. As I said, it's just especially when you're over here, it's it's nice to be in a a kind of a quote community, you know. Yeah, to be connected, and it's one of the reasons why I started it in the first place. And it's it, thank you so much for uh, for that. Um, that nice testimonial is is wonderful. Uh, you know, um, I don't know what to say now. That's great. Uh, it's it's great. So you're driving. I mean, how how long is that? Do you manage to fit in some quo sessions while you're driving? Well, I'm 20 minutes from work, but I could be back and forth twice during the day. So I'll put on the quo cast on the way over, and then you know, I'll be listening to a bit of status quo in the shower, driving to work, or the quo cast. See if there's one I haven't listened to before, you know, and uh, that's about, you know, it, I'm I'm back on the quoting and, and one of my best friends from home is too. And it's exciting. It's really exciting. And it all started by winning a competition for the end of the road tour, uh, which is an incredible, that is an amazing story. It was meant to be. It was, I was meant to be a quote fan. When I won those <laughs> tickets, that was, that was my destiny to be a core fan and long may it continue rave thank you so much for for being on the podcast today awesome thank you so much for having me jamie and just before you go i want to tell you i don't know but my favorite album is whatever you want and it's a great choice um 1979 it's dead i mean you mentioned high flyer yeah i think every song on that album is fantastic i had it ready in case you asked me because i Checked it again last night, and every song on that album, I think, is absolutely brilliant. It's different than any other album. There's just a coolness about that album. They The way they go from Come Rock With Me, rocking on, they blend them together, breaking away somehow. There's just a coolness about that album. I wonder, you know, how popular is that Quo album? Is it a very popular album amongst fans? I think it is. I think it's, it's, uh, it's not part of the golden age as it were which is normally considered to be between 72 and 76 starting with pile driver ending with blue for you but it's certainly one of the best after that period um to fans i mean obviously it's got whatever you want on it which was a massive hit um and like you say there's some great songs on there who asked you runaway shady lady which always sounds by numbers yeah. in the grand scheme of things but it's just like you say it's just a cool album and ending with breakaway which breaking away which has got um it's it's like a dozen genres in there yeah you've got blues you know it's just i i am completely in agreement i think that is such an amazing album and the production work on it um really works it's commercial 
yet also there's something else about it. Yeah, there's something different about it. It's fantastic. And uh, Jamie, thanks for having me on, buddy. I enjoyed uh, speaking to you and uh, you're doing a great job with the co-cast and you've got a fantastic voice for it. <laughs> you've got a you've got a great uh, a great a great voice for doing the co-cast. So keep up the good work, buddy. Mm-hmm.